the Spider-Verse! Welcome to episode nine of the Italian Spider-Man Coalition podcast. We are a Spider-Man themed podcast with a Goomba twist and proud members of the Let's Go podcast network, pop culture without the pop, and the newest member of the Batman podcast network hosted by Batman on film. I am, I am one of your co-hosts. I am the consigliere of the coalition. I am Peter M. Vera, but I cannot do this alone. And uh, today we're shaking things up a little bit. So rocking with me today is the young captain himself, the feisty, the fiery Nico Caruso. How are you, sir? Yo, dude, I'm happy to be here. Thrilled to be here. It's uh, it's going to be a fun conversation today. And you're right. There's a little bit of a difference today because Papa Webb is now with us. He's out celebrating his birthday. So we want to wish my dad a very happy birthday. But he has a lot going on and said, you know what, though? The show should go on. And um, when we get to the comic stuff later, I don't think he was looking to talk about it either. Well, happy birthday getting to off Scott Free. Happy birthday yeah. to him. Uh, he deserves a day off. He deserves some time Absolutely. to enjoy himself. Uh, Absolutely. While Tony Sill and Paulie are partying, uh, Christopher and Furio are going to cause havoc. So let's get right havoc. into it. Today's show, um, we're going to do our, uh, we're going to start our MCU uh, review uh, episode. We did review No Way Home because that was a special case. So we need to go out of order. Now we're going to start from the top. We're going to go right into Homecoming. And then we're going to cover a big chunk of uh, Spider-Man Beyond. So we're going to do movies and comics today, which is which is our normal kind of shtick. So oh, yeah. uh, let's get right into it. Homecoming. Uh, what year did this come out? Do you remember? I can't remember. Top of my 2017. 2017. OK, so at least we that was a good movie that came out that year. Um, yeah, a lot of stuff <laughs> happened in 2017. Yeah, um, this was really interesting for me. Uh, it's because it's the first real deep dive into this version of Spider-Man. Uh, you know, we get all the usual MCU stuff that involved the cameos, the winks, the nods, all that jazz. Um, but really, for me, what steals this movie is the Batman himself. Michael Keaton is probably the arguably the second greatest Spider-Man villain ever to grace the screen. Um, you know, Mr. Defoe did a fantastic job in his uh, portrayal of Harry, uh, Harry Norman Osborn and the Green Goblin more than once. Uh, so that was a treat. But uh, Mr. Keaton uh, proved that he can still hang with the best of them. And uh, he's just as good of a villain as he is a hero. Yeah, dude, I couldn't agree more. So there's a lot we'll talk about this film with me. But one thing I can't deny at all is how good Keaton is in here. Um, I would consider him. Yeah, he's definitely for me top three Spidey villains on screen. And he's I think he's among the best mcu villains too he is not only is the acting performance fantastic he actually is pretty compelling has a pretty good motivation mm-hmm. um pretty scary at times um and a couple really nice action sequences with him as well so he absolutely does steal this film whenever he's there is, is there is there no way keaton can top molina for you because like i go back and it's forth, hard honestly. it's it's it's, it's tough. um it's 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 hard. The thing about it is like with no way home too. like Alfred Molina becomes like, he gets like redeemed and almost becomes like a good character. So then I, especially after no way home, spoiler alert, if you've seen no way home, who hasn't, like, no one's they, seen as much right, as you. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No one's seen as much as me. They like protect that about where his doc Ock ended up. So it was mm-hmm. hard to even call him a villain in no way home. Yeah. Um, but if we're talking about just like the core of it, he is a villain from a Spider-Man too. I would still put uh, Defoe Molina and then Keaton number three for now. Now, but if we see Keaton ever again, which I really hope we do. He can, which I think is happening. I think he's, in, he if, might be in Morbius for a little bit, right? Yeah. It, it feels like it. His character is definitely in Morbius. Um, what Sony's going to go like where Sony's going to go from here. I don't know we, if we know, but Hey, just let these characters keep coming back to each other. Um, but yeah, no, Keaton's fantastic in here. He's absolutely fantastic in here. The thing that really, I think puts Keaton over Molina for me is the family aspect like he's so relate he's so relatable because everything he does is is driven by his family and the need to support and raise his daughter which was Mm -hmm. one of the great twists uh i think in comic book history like i i I just assume she was liz allen (laughs) and then keaton opens that door and you're like oh i didn't see this coming (laughs) Mm -hmm. so um I, i really dig that and he just he's he's an everyman he really is and i think the best villains we all know are the ones you can relate to most because at times you almost feel sympathetic for them. Like 
he's just trying to make ends meet. I mean, he does end up becoming a very wealthy individual through theft, but you know, I, I, I go back and forth with Keaton and Molina all the time. I really do. I just, it's, it's really tough. Those top three are as, as good as it gets though. Um, oh, no doubt. And what's funny. And like I said, we'll, we'll get into this. I, I like that you brought up the relatability of tombs in here. Um, the only ironic thing is that for most of this film, it's weird that tombs is more relatable than Peter at times. Yeah. In my I, opinion. <laughs> I, I think you're right. Um, you know, uh, while, while the movie does a good job with the high school elements and the young elements of Peter's life, which I, I think are actually done better in this movie than were, were done in Amazing and even the original Spider-Man trilogy. Um, I, there's certain things that just remind me a lot of Dan Slott's run that oh, I always took, uh, I, I didn't enjoy, which always kind of took away from Peter Parker, that the amount of technology in the suit, mm-hmm. um, especially in this film, the, the reliance on Iron Man. Um, while I do think Iron Man makes some valuable points to Peter as he tries to teach him how to be a hero, mm-hmm. I do just wish that was more of Uncle Ben's words than it was Tony Stark. Yeah. And it's it goes back like, I don't know if, I, I feel like, well, I feel the MCU has done a lot of course correcting with Uncle Ben. Uh, and as you look at it in, in in this movie, there's a time where Peter you know mentions the Ned with everything May's been through. She can't know about this. That to me, that's them thinking about Uncle Ben early on. And then you get the suitcase in the next movie, and then he's totally erased, basically no way home. It makes you wonder like what the original plan was for this trilogy, uh, because it seems like when this movie started, uh, they had a certain idea of what they were doing, and then they kind of course corrected and changed things. What do you think about that? You know, it's you're right. So let me get this out of the way with all my Tony Stark thoughts on this film. It's I think this movie for me personally, and you know, I could be wild as I tend to be. No, no, so for, no. <laughs> you? for me, no, never. I mean, only, only, only occasionally. But so for me, this movie, when it comes to the Uncle Ben and Tony stuff, I respect that they wanted to do something different this third time around. And I actually thoroughly, and not to get down another rabbit hole, but I love, absolutely love, regardless of how I feel about homecoming or far from home. Like I absolutely love his entrance in civil war. I think the scene with Tony, his dialogue about wanting to help the little guy and, you know, not being able to do certain stuff. And he's, he's basically explaining to you the idea of with great power comes great responsibility without saying it. And I do like Tony is the one to bring him in. They're in New York. He's the seasoned hero. He's arguably the most popular superhero in the world. He's the one who finds Spider-Man. It makes sense. And when they were going to roll with it in this movie, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm interested in that. And I agree with you. He does make some really valid points to Peter that I do wish was from uncle Ben, but the thing about Tony Stark and his presence in this movie is I feel like it just crosses the line of being too much at times. And Downey is such a presence. He's such a presence. And he has such this, this charisma that he almost is distracting to me when he's in the movie. Like to me, his scenes with Peter are more of a Tony showcase than anything having to do with Peter. And that is a pretty heavy statement to make, but, and that's maybe just how I feel about Tony's influence in the MCU. Cause it's on everything, you know, as much as I love Keaton's performance, it is coming at the motivation of you, of, you know, Stark and his involvement with damage control. And, and so it's like, okay, he still feel his presence feels a lot larger on the movie than i thought it was going to be and even though he was signed on to do all these scenes and he's like last on the bill i still feel like there was a lot of tony stuff in here and the suit and the technology stuff i'll i'll expand upon a little bit later but uh that to me is where the movie loses me for a bit um because it was this perfect storm it reminded me a lot of slots run at the time too of, of a lot of things i wasn't liking that i was reading i was seeing on the screen See, I kind of disagree with you there. I, uh, I think. How that, dare you respectfully yeah. disagree with me? <laughs> I think this movie. I think this is the MCU movie that really balances out what what they can do with cameos and whatnot. Because I feel like 
Tony Stark's influence comes in at the right time. You know, Peter botches the FBI investigation. So Tony has to save the day there. And while I always want Peter and Spider-Man to be the hero, he isn't there yet. And Peter's mm -hmm. stubbornness and refuse and his just inability to actually understand where he is. He's always trying to bite off more than he can chew. And I, I while What's I that? do appreciate the fact that Peter Parker wants to be a hero and he's got such a determination to do good and help other people. I do really think that Iron Man makes so many valid points when he's, you know, when he's in this, when he's not in the suit, when he saves him from the boat, all that, all that stuff is really good and really powerful, mm -hmm. but I still have an issue with Spider-Man stressing so much to be an Avenger. You know, yeah. like, I know he looks up to Tony Stark and I get that, that this is the MCU, but to me, Spider-Man always stands on, on his own. He's, he's the greatest hero in the Marvel universe, regardless mm -hmm. of cinematic or comic book or animation. Amen. And I, I always think he's the top dog. And I appreciate the fact that he always wants to work alone and stuff like that. And I like, well, obviously, because I'm a Batman fan as well. I, I like <laughs> romance, no matter how many sidekicks he has. But I, I think that they inject Tony Stark and Iron Man in at the right time, except for the end of the movie, because then that's kind of like the Tony show. You know, like it, it, it's flashy. It's the wedding. It's all this. Um, and that and I kind of like I really grew to dislike Happy in this movie because he's just a oh, dick. Oh, yeah. He's so annoying. He's such a jerk. Yeah. And it's, I think it's unnecessary because it's like all Peter wants to do is help and mm -hmm. happy's, a, happy's a complete jerk to him the whole time, which is so weird. Cause then eventually he ends up being like his step uncle or something. Yeah. The, the trajectory they do with him is, a, it's weird. It's There's weird. A lot, I think that's a lot of force <laughs> correction in there. Um, I do appreciate in this movie though, what they do with Peter and with, and his intelligence, you see him mm -hmm. in science class, making the web fluid. They mentioned robotics class. He, you know, he's obviously a nerd. He's a band geek. Um, he's he's on the debate team or whatever that uh, that that is. Um, so I appreciate that, and it really stresses how smart he is. But then I think you dumb him down by giving him this suit. Thank you. That does everything for him. I'm on the 100 same page. So where where the movie kind of loses me every time is in that whole second act because I do agree with you. They really establish early on. A lot of his intelligence, a lot of what he can do with his mind in the first act and then later in the third act when he has to, right? It's the middle of the movie, you're right, when they dumb him down and they give him the suit and when he's like saving the boat and it's like showing him where to put the webs. I'm yeah. like, no, like, let him try, like he would try to figure it out at the Washington Monument. He's got like his like, I know they wanted to do the spider tracker thing because it was such a thing in the comics, like especially in that, you know, uh, I like the tracker spider -Man thing run. shop, but it's the drone. The yes, drones are yes, yeah. Yes. The, so like all that stuff, I'm sitting there going like, okay, now we're taking away from it. And I don't like, like, I'm okay with sometimes in comments him getting tacked for situation, but I also don't like, I despise that the suit talks to him as Karen. Cause yeah. then the dialogue is so corny. Like when he's talking about is that Jennifer Conley, right? Yeah. yeah Jennifer, who's, who's fantastic. Yeah, but like when she's when when like Karen's talking to him and he's telling her about Liz and she's like kiss Liz. I was like, yeah, oh kiss. god, I was like, no. I would like if you told me or I wouldn't be afraid. I'm like, I don't know, man. I there there's something about it I just didn't like because I would rather Peter be having those conversations with Ned, with Zendaya, with Aunt May, like with mm -hmm. people in 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 his life, and um you you really lose that with the with the technology and with my thing about the suit is i do love the third i do really like the third act because it feels the most like the most spider-man stuff is in that third act i mm -hmm. think that's to me when it becomes a really good spider-man film and he does it all in the homemade suit it's really inspiring and then at the end of the movie he like i know he turns down the iron spider suit but then like tony drops off the suit at the end of the movie so he There's gets no difference back. other than the look yeah. And then he gets it back at the end of the movie. It's waiting for him on his bed. And I'm like, okay, so we made this whole big deal about he doesn't need the suit and he beat the vulture without the Tony Stark technology, but he's going to still have it at the end of the movie. And then he literally has it like, it's hard to judge this now. Cause at the time we didn't know, but little did we know eventually he was still going to have like technological suits for, mm -hmm. 
five more appearances. So it kind of, to me, it devalues that whole idea of he used the homemade suit at the end because he just gets it right back. And then he, he ends up using it for the rest of his journey. Yeah. I think, I think post no way home, I think the ending of homecoming they're saying home a lot lately is, is even more powerful because all Peter wants, and it comes full circle. All Peter wants to do is save the villains, except for like Mysterio, right? He wants to save all the villains in no way home. And then instead of letting Vulture just go off in the sky and blow up at the end of the movie, he's trying to save him I because love his, uh, his, whatever, his proton pack is going <laughs> to blow up. And uh, that was, and I thought that was very beautifully set up through Ned Leeds and yeah. the, the Washington DC stuff. And I think there's a lot of really good storytelling and writing here. I think they, they craft the story really well. There's just so many parts I don't like. Uh, but things I do like, I like the early montage early on with the bike stuff and the churro. And I thought that yes, was great. And yes. Even how Tony mentions that earlier, like Tony is paying attention, even as much of a dick as happy is, he is reporting to Tony what's going mm-hmm. on. And Tony mentions mm-hmm. he called the FBI and all that stuff. Um, so there's, it, it, there is a lot of trust and like people are listening to Peter. He's just, I think Peter's so caught up in the big picture that he's not taking, you know, he's not taking it one step at a time. I think he's so ambitious in this movie. He's trying to prove himself all the time. Um, And it, it, sometimes it does him a disservice, but I think it does really work in terms of like character growth, uh, where he goes from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie. And I think that's where all the magic happens. And it's, it's, it's not, I do enjoy it. And I watch it. I'm like, man, I really enjoy all this John Hughes stuff, the stuff with the kids, uh, the stuff with Ned Leeds, uh, Tony, uh, Tony Ravioli, whatever his actual name is. I can't pronounce it. <laughs> he is fantastic as Flash Thompson. Everything from Penis Parker to, um, uh, uh, <laughs> to, uh, are you really friends with, Spy- uh, are you really friends with Peter Parker? It's that stuff's really good. I, I enjoy that. And I love the relationship that Peter has with Ned. I, don't get me wrong. I wish it was Harry, you know, just, mm-hmm. just because like I'm a, mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a stickler for tradition, but I, I get it, especially after amazing. You don't want to throw another Harry Osborne at us. Like we've been there, done that for two franchises in a row. Um, but all that stuff is really great. I, I think his relationships are wonderful. Uh, the few times we see him and may interact, you know, at the Thai restaurant, that was really good. Uh, you know, when he, co- after the ferry, when he comes home and, you know, he tells her about the internship, she's really great there. Marissa Tomei is wonderful in the role. She really is. I just, she's so young. <laughs> she's mm-hmm. so young and so beautiful that, uh, you know, she's, she's not a traditional Aunt May for me. Um, I don't, you know, but here you, you go on for a little bit. Yeah. So I like, you brought up the, uh, I like how you brought up the John Hughes inspirations. Cause I go like, I'm so back and forth on those. Cause while I do like a lot of the stuff in high school, I feel like it's probably the most we've seen the characters spend in high school. If I'm really reflecting on it and you amazing know, did it briefly in the first movie and it's just very, briefly very brief in Spider-Man and very, very brief. So like, I like seeing him. I, I like seeing all the younger like friends and classmates together. I do kind of vibe with this version of flash Thompson. Cause it is more modern. The thing I struggle with the whole John Hughes inspiration of it is it's like, watching this movie like re-watching it throughout the past few years is i see how like on the nose it is it's like john watts is hitting me in the face going it's a john hughes film it's a john hughes film it's a john hughes film it, it um, kind of like brian singer and superman Returns. just at 100 and like yeah. while while i like some of it because his films are i his films are iconic i think what john watts did with this film is he tried to like give these nods to john hughes but like all of it feels like a little undercooked to me so like i like what they do with zendaya's portrayal but then i feel like she's not in it enough especially someone of that caliber especially Mm -hmm. when we see what she becomes i look back on this film and go wow you really underused her something john hughes always did well was write and develop the female characters and i feel like as charming as Liz is, I feel like there's not much there for her. I, 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 I like the twist of Keaton being her dad. I almost think though, for me, you sacrifice a little bit with Liz. Cause like if they maybe showed it, but then you don't have the twist, I get it. But I feel like giving Liz a little bit more because like MJ had very compelling personal stuff um, in the Raimi films. 
Emma Stone had really compelling personal stuff in the web films. And then I feel like Liz here, if she was just going to be a one-off, I wish they gave her a little more um, because I do like on the inverse side of it. I do like at the end of the film where, you know, he has to leave her at the dance and like that stuff feels very Spider-Man-y. But and he does Liz, that more than once. He ditches Ned at the party. Like, yes. There are yes. times where he does clearly make yes. the correct decision. Absolutely. Absolutely. So like Liz and Michelle, I feel like were these female characters that weren't really developed. And I feel like Aunt May has some good scenes, but I wish the thing John Hughes does really well in his films too, is he, he explores like how teenagers can have such a complex relationship with their like adult figures and their parents or older family members. And I was, I was logging for a lot more with him in May. I feel like there's scenes of like, she doesn't really get him. And then I know she helps him with the dance at the end. And maybe it's just me being selfish and wanting more, but I feel like all these themes that Hughes is known for, I feel like there's little like just sprinkles Mm -hmm. of it, but I feel like there was so much more of an opportunity to maybe show him not only struggling with these relationships, but let him try to do something for the daily bugle. And maybe because it's modern, he's doing something online or there's like a YouTube channel, like exploring this whole teenage trying to find themselves in the world. And I think, I think, yeah, there's so much John Hughes sprinkle, but none of it like actually manifest for me personally, at least. Uh, When it comes to Liz, I think she's in the movie, the perfect amount because she is just a one-off character. And we've, We've come from two previous entries of the Spider-Man franchise where the love interest was such a main part of the, of the franchise. Mm-hmm. And, you know, MJ and uh, uh, what was her name? I'm forgetting her name. Um, the, oh, what the hell is her name? Kristen Dunst. Oh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. She was such a big part. Three movies. Emma Stone was a huge part of two movies. Here, the love interest isn't really a factor as much as it is this version of Spider-Man growing and maturing into who he is. So I kind of appreciate the fact that she is this one-off throwaway character because in the end she's really just there for the key and door reveal at the end of the movie you know that that's the whole point of that character it, it it's just so ironic that peter falls in love with this girl or th- he has yeah. a crush he has a crush on this girl who ends up being the daughter of the guy who's trying to kill him and you know and not only does it just work magically when he opens the door but that car scene where you know he's like don't mess with me and like I feel like no one really notices, but the subtle movement of Keaton just grabbing the gun out of the glove compartment, oh, yeah. kind of putting it around the other, the, the car seat and just telling Peter, you know, just, Hey, look, don't mess with me or my family, my business. It, mm-hmm. it was, it's so powerful. And it, you know, his, he is such a menacing figure from when he kills the original shocker um, mm-hmm. to uh, just everything he does with Pete. And I love the capers that uh, the, the vulture uh, goes through. Like I love this interpretation and it doesn't bother me that this version isn't chasing the fountain of youth because mm-hmm. i think you get that in a sense where you know he's kind of on his thrill ride he's trying to you know he's doing this for his family but he's an older actor you know yeah he, this is probably the oldest villain uh first appearance <laughs> that we've ever Good seen point. in a spider-man movie and uh you know and thank god because i i don't think we get keaton back as batman if he doesn't become the vulture i think that's a huge part of it i think he's i think this movie brings him back into the forefront and you know people are like oh this guy could still wear this crazy suit and you know and and act and i love the look like i love how he's got this like flight jacket on or aviator jacket whatever it is and i love the the claws on the feet and the wings like it was one i'd say this spider-man uh movie came out with some amazing uh, Marvel Legends figures um, and building that um, vulture figure was a lot of fun because I have it. I mean, it's in storage right now, but if you get this figure, like his wings are massive and they function and it's got those like hover. So it's wonderful. And I I appreciate the tinkerer, like having him in there. Yeah. Yeah. There's some great cameos as well. Just, um, you know, uh, Donald Glover, he plays, um, uh, you know, he will, hopefully he'll play the prowler one day. But you get little nods like that. They talk about the claws and everything. And I just, I, I really can't stress enough how, like, I'm always, uh, it's always a problem for me how much Marvel stuffs into their movies. But mm-hmm. I really think this one does it so perfectly, so effortlessly. I don't think anything's really crammed in. Um, the, the, I just probably would go about certain characterizations differently. But mm-hmm. how they built, how they put Spider-Man in this universe, I think they did a wonderful job. And um, when you were talking about the ferry scene, you mentioned like how you didn't like the suit um, telling him what to do. 
and, and in contrast, I, well, I do agree with you, but in contrast, like, I think it's some of the best web slinging we've ever seen. Like seeing it was, it definitely looked cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like the impact webbing and all that stuff. And like, it, it is a little, it, sometimes it can be cringeworthy to me watching him in like the, uh, the storage facility, talking to the suit and trying to figure it out. But like, it does kind of all pay off in the end when he's like using all these different forms of web to uh, take down the vulture. And, you know, I, I appreciate that. And I, you know, again, going forward through it into the trilogy, like he, there's a lot of learning he does in this movie. And it, I, I think it all pays off a lot into no, in no way home. I think this movie and no way home are really wonderful companion pieces and then Far From Home is just really far off for me. Yeah, it's 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 so far off. This movie, the thing, and I like how you brought all that up. Um, another another thing, just talk about how uh, the vulture looks real quick. Is I'm with you. I'm someone who like I, I uh, like. Of course, it's so subjective for me, but I go back and forth with like how characters look and how they translate to the screen. And I think this is a really good job of like modernizing it because like had they put the vulture how he looks in this movie like comic wise i don't know if it would have worked at all he, and he, I, people would be comparing him to jim carrey's with right? exactly exactly <laughs> so i so so like i like the flight jacket i like that he was like a pilot i i like the crazy arms or the wings i mean and the claws and everything because it also made him scarier and more formidable than just this like old guy with wings that you know at times when you're reading him can feel comical even though he's an iconic spider-man villain so i really like what they did with him it's got a cool figure cool funko pop i do wish like at some point he just took the helmet off though just we could see some of keaton's acting when they're fighting but that's like a he takes the helmet off a decent amount it's like a reach frustration when he's robbing the plane and he seems spider-man there you know like but I get the functionality of it. I can't stress enough how much I love the fact that the jacket has the fur around it. Oh yeah. Culture traditionally does like the fact that I'm, I'm glad they kept magical. that. Yeah. Uh, I did. I really enjoyed that. I mean, there's, there's so many good parts in, in this movie and uh, I'm trying to think I had something on the tip of my tongue. I don't know what it was. Um, oh, geez. This is not good for radio. Uh, but here you go. You say something. No, how do you feel about, because they also do. So, this movie and 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 far from home does it more this movie does something that's a little frustrating to me is like the it it tries to be really self-aware so like there's a couple times and like i said far from home does this a little bit more blatantly but like they acknowledge like the other students primarily flash thompson's character like acknowledges that like he like left and he had to quit that uh, he had to quit that academic team. Mm. And then he just shows up and he's like, come on, you think you could just quit and leave and then show up in your spots here. And then the, his professor walks on and is like, Oh, Hey, welcome. You're your first chair again. And it's like, Oh, I like they're playing on that idea that he always like gets away with everything, mm-hmm. which like in far from home, they do, which it kind of plays better in Far From Home. I won't lie. Like when the one kid goes, no one ever asks why he just runs away when things go bad. And then Spider-Man <laughs> shows up. And then when Spider-Man's gone, he comes back and everyone's like, no, like why? Like that one's funnier. This one was a little more frustrating because like it was affecting everyone on the team and people were frustrated by it, like more characters. And then he shows back up and just gets it back. And that is, I think, it, it it plays into something else that also frustrates me about this film is that I feel like up until the last act of the movie, like with Liz and the Keaton reveal and when he loses the suit on the ferry, like outside of those scenes, I feel like Peter, there's not much consequence for him. Like he gets the sandwich place destroyed. He skips school a lot, then just gets away with it. He leaves that team. He comes back. He just gets right back on the team. And then at the end of the film, he like he uses his homemade suit and then he turns down being an Avenger and he doesn't want that suit. And then he ends up at the film with it again. And it just feels very. And I almost think Aunt May and Ned finding out are like. While it is different, they both feel like cop outs to the idea of what he does earlier. Right. Like when he has to leave people like we, we see that play out with Liz 
and the Keaton stuff, but not with the other characters. I feel yeah, like she's the only one who holds him accountable. Yeah. Like he wasn't held accountable for a lot of his actions in this film, in his quest to be an Avenger. And I feel like that gets forgotten. And that's why this movie at times is frustrating, but then there's great stuff in it too, that help you forget about it. Those are um, great but there's such a lack of consequence until, until the end of the movie, which when you go back to a film like Spider-Man two, like you, you see, there's so many con there's so many consequences. Right. And that's the giant theme of the movie and even things in, you know, amazing one and amazing two. you know, play into Peter's actions, whether he's Peter or Spider-Man do have these ripple effects and heat, and he feels that he feels the weight of it. And in this movie, it's like Peter keeps doing things and getting away with things. And there's no, he's only focused on like his personal selfish goal of wanting to be an Avenger. And, and, and that at times when I watch it is frustrating. That's just great. Cause I actually, now that you mention it, I agree with you on that. I think he, he, he does kind of get away with murder. He just, he just kind of comes and goes as he pleases. And mm-hmm. you know, Liz does help hold him accountable. She talks to him on the phone in, in DC, but she's the only one. And then she's gone by the end. But I agree. Having may find out he's Spider-Man. It's kind of a bummer. I, I it, it's a I also don't like when Lois knows as much as I love the TV show. Like my preferred version is like Lois, not knowing Clark Kent is Superman. Yeah. You know, I, I I'm a big fan of the secret identity. And I feel like, that's something that even in comics have gone out the way. So even in Batman right now, Lex yeah. Luthor knows Bruce Wayne. Is yeah. Batman. Yeah. You know, yeah. There yeah. are very few secret <laughs> identities anymore. And uh, I, I, I hate that. I despise that stuff. Um, what do you, what do you, how do you feel? If we're just going to go, like, how do you feel about the, the homemade suit? Um, I think it's really cool. I wish we kind of saw a little bit more of it. I'm glad it got the chance to shine and showcase in that third act because you take away the power, you take away the power of the, of the special suit. And you, you, you're just down to what I think is some really great Spider-Man moments because, you know, that first fight with the vulture that he's got this parachute and it calls Iron Man out. Like I almost kind of wish he could, you know, web his way to a parachute or something. The homemade suit, I actually really dig. And I'm glad we got more of a traditional suit in, in no way home. I do love the homemade suit stuff a lot, not only because I think it, for me, it helps the movie and it helps what the character Spider-Man is doing in the film. It makes it more Spider-Man-y to me, but I like the look of it too. I also like that, like, like I'm never probably going to get a, well, actually, maybe now I might. But at the time, I didn't think I would see like the Scarlet Spider suit in live action. And this one kind of has a little inspiration. It's like inverted. Like, cut off hoodie. Yeah. Yes. So I'm like, okay, it's kind of cool. I do like, and he mentions this in Civil War. Um, I like the goggles that kind of helps him focus and helps him mm. like regulate, you know, which is pretty cool. Um, I do wish we got a little more of it. And I almost wish, I mean, I'm. I'm selfish in this regard, but I really enjoy the homemade suit stuff so much that I almost wish the film ends with him creating a homemade version of that one Tony had with like the red and the blue and everything. Um, But I do like the homemade suit stuff and it does make the fight with the vulture a lot more compelling because they, they do a good job of showing how scarily powerful this vulture is and how menacing he is. And then you, make him fight the vulture without the suit that was basically was almost going to help him fix a fairy. Right. So I, so I do, I really like the homemade suit stuff. The only thing I really like about the, uh, the tech suit is that he's got the web wings under his arms. Oh yeah. That's fantastic. He never uses them really. (laughs) Never uses them. But in that one scene where he is, I'm like, Oh, I love this. I do. And I, I do like the look of this, this Tony Stark suit that he made it. it, I I I don't like the the black around the shoulders or the exposed um, web shooters, but I, I, it's very traditional to me and I appreciate it. And I didn't like what they did in the next movie where, it seemed like he kind of had like a navy or a dark or a black suit, you know? Like yeah. It, it, the swapping of the colors was a little funky to me. I kind of prefer this one, but, uh, you know, it, it, we ended up getting our, uh, our our suit by the end of the third movie. Let me ask you another question, though, because as much as I do like the suit in Homecoming and I just wish he had it for all his appearances, does it bother you? Granted, yes, in all the films, of course, act like all the action sequences are CGI, but did it ever bother you that so many times in this movie, like that, that suit is all CG. Uh, it didn't bother me until I found out that it was, because I don't understand why he just can't wear 
Asuka suit. It, it's right. you know, I get why uh, you don't want Tony Stark wearing all that plastic, you know, or uh, Robert mm-hmm. Downey Jr. You know, like I understand it, but like, or even like something like Batman. Like they're notoriously, I mean, Keaton's bat suit was like seventy pounds. Like yeah. that's a lot of rubber. But like he's Spider Man. He's just wearing fabric. I don't understand. I know they want the eyes to move, and I kind of get that. But like, what does that have to do with everything else? Um, it's very interesting as I'm kind of watching the movie. Now the, the spider on the back glows when the parachute pops out, I know the drone pops out the chest. So maybe those are the reasons I don't know, but then again, it's like, ah, that's, it's just weird to me that he wears a suit, but the only, and then the one good thing about the suit, aside from the web wings are, it does display Peter and Ned's intelligence. Cause they hack into this thing. Yes. And they take off all these protocols. So again, like, it's weird that they give him the suit to prop up his intelligence, but you already did that early on in the movie. Like you've said so many things about how this version of Peter Parker is so smart and brilliant that it's just, it's there. There's a lot of like kind of baffling decisions as much as I like the movie. And a lot of it has to do with Keaton and his, his portrayal as the villain. Yes. And, but I, I do appreciate the journey that this Peter Parker goes on. I've said that before in the show. It's just, he does grow within this movie. And I think that's the best part about it. I think it takes a step back the next movie and then he takes a couple steps forward the, uh, the movie after that. But I think there's a, a, a huge growth process for this version of Peter. I got to tell you, um, the lack of spider sense frustrates me too. <laughs> Especially because he has it in Civil War. Uh, uh, I mean, it, And then they make such a point about it in Far From Home. Peter like, Tingle, yeah. Yeah, and even though I hate Peter Tingle, I just like how it's used, and and that's another thing that baffles me about sometimes the the in the inconsistency between what the Russos and Watts were doing with him because like there's times in this movie where I think like the the spider sense would have really elevated some scenes like well in a way it's electronic r- true so it's 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 interesting because like what if he walks up to the door when he's going to see Liz for the dance and he has like that Something like little off. spider sense thing. And then the door opens or he gets in the car. And when she gets out, he starts like, I feel like you could have elevated a lot of scenes with the spider sense in here. And, and it feels weird. Cause it, it literally is not present. If Ditko was drawing the book, he'd have like those wavy lines around his head. Yeah. Right. You know, like <laughs> that's, Which a, that's is, a great point that the spider yeah, sense it's is so interesting. Here. It's so missed, but then it's like back in Infinity War and then in Far From Home, they really hit you over the head with it. And then it's a massive part of No Way Home. So it's uh, it's interesting. It's interesting. And and it is in Civil War. There's those two scenes where he reacts to, to the car being thrown. Mm-hmm. And then um, there's one more. I forget what it is, but he he alludes to it like it's 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 shown once more and it's like okay wait i think that's a result of too many cooks in the kitchen you know like yeah we'll talk about beyond in a little bit and uh i i I feel that there's way too many different versions of writers on that story and i think everyone just has some input and uh at sometimes this does kind of feel like a board meeting spider-man like people get together and they kind of have ideas and they all kind of mix it together to uh, it, it there's no maybe like not one real clear vision i know feige probably has final say in a lot of these things but like mm-hmm. you said the russos probably did not consult with watts which is interesting because i believe they consulted with gun for the guardians appearances in yeah the, which is the later yeah. two avengers movies so uh it I, you know i don't know how they go about their business there i can only kind of guesstimate but uh it, it does have some moments where it suffers but i just i, I do think like characterization aside the movie i think is really strongly written in it um just from everything from vulture his motivation to peter's determination uh aunt may ned you know even we we hardly even talk about zendaya you know she's she's a force in this movie you know every time she's on screen she says something and and holds weight you know and it's an interesting reveal at the end it did bug me at the time because i'm like well why is her name michelle you know, like it, yeah. was, it was very confusing to me. Um, I don't know why they would, why they just wouldn't call her Mary Jane. I, I don't understand. It, it, yeah. it's, it's an interesting casting choice, but she's great in the role. They have such a wonderful uh, chemistry together that it's hard to d- dislike some of the decisions they made because she's just a magical actress. Yeah. And, and, and with me, I, I, I think I wanted a lot more of her too. I just think, uh, like you said, she's so talented and she is a force. I kind of wish her her presence was felt even more. And it does feel like her name being Michelle and everything was like to subvert on purpose. 
And that's kind of what the MCU is known to do at times. And I just wish they wouldn't mm-hmm. like, I would have been more into her in the movie. If I knew if they even like threw out MJ early in the movie, I'm like, okay, wait, is she's, she's the one I think they're going to build to. And at the end of the movie, it kind of feels like, haha, we got you. She's MJ and look for her in the next film. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I kind of wish I was feeling that already until the end of the movie, but that's just me again. I think these two, those two are the only things I really enjoyed. Well, that and Mysterio's actual use of his powers were the mm-hmm. only things I really enjoyed about the next movie. Um, I've, I've really enjoyed her journey through these three films. Um, and it's just, she's, she's, you know, it, it's, she may not be a redhead, but she is just absolutely captivating when I see her on screen. And, you know, everything from like, I'm not obsessed with them, just very observant, you know, like, I love how she just she, she's always calling them out. And I, I do yeah. appreciate that. And that's, that's very Mary Jane, like Mary Jane's, mm-hmm. you know, no BS, she's going to speak her mind, she's going to stand up for herself. And she's, she, she has got balls, man, that girl, <laughs> you know, she does. she's like, I, I just don't want to go up there and celebrate something that was built by slaves, <laughs> you know, and you're like, holy, that is so Mary, Mary Jane is like, no, I'm not gonna do that. That's not right. And uh, mm-hmm. I was like, wow. Okay. I was like, they went there. <laughs> they're they're doing a good job, and you know, it it's hard. To, I, Kirsten Dunst may have like the traditional Mary Jane look and the traditional Mary Jane relationship with Peter, but this this one is uh, this one's not bad. There's nothing wrong with it. it. It's I think it's just as good. Um, Emma Stone probably still has the top spot when it comes to just like on screenless chemistry and love with a version of Spider Man, but uh, I think Zendaya is really riding her coattails. I think if, if if they continue on and there's some kind of redemption for Peter and Mary Jane post no way home, I think that she can really take the top spot here. Yeah, she, um, she definitely does have, I do agree with that significantly where she starts in here. She does have a really nice character trajectory. And I do think it is a result of um, her relationship with Peter. She does become a lot more open to humanity and a lot more optimistic as we see in no way home. And I do really like, the the choices they made with her character and a lot of what she stands for and talks about because you're right she's making a lot of great points she stands for a lot of great things in this film and she's actually like one of the more morally sound people in the film with her beliefs and things like that mm-hmm. so I, I i i do appreciate even though it's a even though it's a role i wanted to see more of in this film i do appreciate what they did with her because i think the eventual payoff is is a really nice reward i, w- I want to get some light protesting in like i was like, I was like that was funny yeah that was good and she has some of the best comedic moments in here too like she's indirectly. great her and ned are yeah. just wonderful comic relief like all of ned's questions when he finds out peter spider-man i think are wonderful um Those are know, fun. I, I love the moment when he's in gym and he's like oh peter knows spider-man like he's not ned ned leads but like he's a he's a cool version of ned leads you know i i, I appreciate that and there's again, there's a lot of good stuff in this movie. Um, I don't know. Have we covered everything? Is there anything else you want to talk about before we get into beyond? No, no, no. I think we hit, I, I think we hit on all of it. So, really. All right. So how many cannolis are you going to give this movie? So here's five. how I judge this movie out of five. So here's how I judge. We do, this do we do movie. it out of five? I don't remember. We do it out of five. Yeah. Okay. Here's, here's how I judge this movie. I think the movie has great pacing. It's really entertaining. I think it's a really entertaining, good movie. I don't necessarily think it's a great Spider-Man movie. So I'm going to give it, I'm still going to give it like three. I'm going to say three. Okay. Uh, three where, do you, where, where do you rank it amongst the theatrical Spider-Man? Where does this fall for you? What's your letterbox say? Second to last. Wow, really? <laughs> Above Far From Home. Wow, that's right. Okay. The Spider-Man aspect. Um, I judge Spider-Man films, you know, as how Spider-Man are they are. Um, I yeah, if for me, there's something about these two MCU solo films, and it's hard for me to explain, but there's something, there's a feel to them that I don't get when I watch the Raimi or the web ones or into the Spider-Verse. I know, I know I'm crazy for it, but it is, it is uh if there's been what eight live action Spider-Man films, eight, seven. Uh, yes. There's eight, nine, nine theatrical, eight live action. Yeah. It's seventh. Interesting. I I'm going to, I'm going to be very favorable to this. I, I give it a, a four and a half out of five cannolis. I really love this. Movie. I respect that. Uh, it's third on my list. It's right behind uh, Spider-Man two and Spider-Man one. It's ahead of uh, amazing. 
Um, sorry. I, no, it's above I, No Way Home. It's above No Way Home for me. I uh, respect that. Amazing is above No Way Home for me because it's it's pure. It's got a, a real pure Spider Man. That's more Spider Man than like No Way Home in a sense because like sure sure I, I need Peter sure. to have a Green Goblin and even though it, you know in no who's Spider Man? Yours or mine? I know those are yours. <laughs> We're I, Spidey. I, I, I live on a dead end, so that's very interesting. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Um, hopefully, hopefully people yeah. are okay. I, I hope so. It sounds like a fire truck. Is Spidey coming there? It is no New idea. York. Or no, I live in New Jersey. Or it's, or it's Jersey for you. Yeah, <laughs> it's, technically. There's only one way on and off the street, so they're only coming the <laughs> way. I have no idea what's going on. This is going to play well for the content. Though. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I just hope my house is Oh, dude. Oh, dude. You're fine. I'm not worried about it. It's... uh. <laughs> I love raw podcasts like this. It's going to be cool. So people are going to hear that and be like, these guys are talking about sirens. <laughs> no, I actually thought it was you. I was so shocked. Um, yeah, no, I, I just, I really dig the journey and everything. And I, you know, while I always kind of complain about the, you know, the shared universe stuff, I think this movie does it better than most. And uh, it, as a pure comic book fan, I really dig it. And uh, I, I said, like, I appreciate amazing a lot because it is a, it's a, it's a solo Spider-Man story. But it, um, it, you know, I, the fact that this Peter Peter Parker doesn't have a Green Goblin kind of still irks me the wrong way. And I've only seen No Way Home once, so I've got to kind of get a few more viewings in before I can make a, a complete judgment on it. Uh, I respect know, that, it's, though. It's going to take some time. I can't, it, it's, you know, I don't know what's going to happen when the Batman comes. So that's another movie. Like, I'm sure the hyperbole reaction will be, it's the greatest movie of all time, but. Sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure, like, and I, I like them all. So, except for Far From Home, but uh, I, yeah. I have this, I have this one ranked at, at three. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I really enjoy it. And it's, what's, what can you say about it? I, it's just a lot of fun for me. Um, it is a very fun movie, though. It is. Like, if you take, if I were to be able to, which I can't, but if I were able to take all my Spider-Man bias frustrations out of it, it would definitely be higher. But there's just yeah, there's things I can't I can't yeah, unsee. I, I feel that way about Amazing <laughs> too. There's certain things I'm like, oh man, as good as mm-hmm. Emma and Garfield are, there's just so many wrong things, you know. Um, but it's just eh, it, it they they all go off the rails at some point. That's yeah. why we have reboots. Exactly. All right, that's enough of that before we asked uh, before we get into any more of the just babbling on. Uh, let's talk about Beyond. Uh, mm-hmm. It's been a while since we did this, so let's mm-hmm. cover issues eighty-one through eighty-seven. Um, yes, sir. This story is kind of taking a bit of a drop for me. Um, I think I'm kind of done with Ben Riley uh, in Amazing. Not done with Ben Riley as a character, but just within Amazing. I just I I. I I don't really know where this is going. Um, I don't understand why he, first of all, took over Amazing. Uh, he had a successful book under Peter David. Uh, mm-hmm. JDM is writing another Ben Riley book. I don't know if that's this version of Ben or, or a previous one. Um, I'm not really sure because I haven't read it yet. I just, I have it. It's, it's in the queue. Um, it, it, at times, the story kind of feels incoherent and just like things happen for a reason. I felt that way with Craven and Morbius. They just popped up out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, you know, and I feel this way. Lizard just pops up out of nowhere. We don't know what happens. Like Misty and her, her buddy are just kind of traveling the sewers and just and, traveling. And then they just pop up like two issues later and nobody even mentions the lizard. And I'm like, well, what is Doc Ock doing? At one point he, he he's breaking into beyond, but is he doing it for his own personal reasons? Or did he just come to give Ben this drive? Did Aunt May put him up to this? But Aunt May used him for Peter's well-being. Like I'm just, I and I mentioned this earlier when we were talking about uh, 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 Homecoming. Like I think there's, I think the rotating door of writers is really doing a disservice for the story. What about you? Yeah, this is. Um, I was really enjoying it at the beginning, for and you can hear us kind of talk about it on the last time we talked about it. But it's now at a point where it is overstayed its welcome. This Beyond thing. I feel like now we've had this Ben Riley thing for, for what, 12? How many parts is this on now? Like, I don't know. This book's like four times a month. <laughs> it's 13. Yeah, like it's 13. And I haven't, you've read 88. I haven't gotten a chance. So that's 14 parts of this that. thing, including, oh, yeah. Well, now I'm not excited. Um, including the, the two or three extra side stories, like the one with the two the women. Bays, the yeah. With, yeah, the one with that man, and then um, I did get, 
Mary Jane and Black Cat one, which I thought was like fun. Um, but it was more fun because of them, not as opposed to the actual story I was telling. It's while I was interested in the beyond stuff and having like a, a Spider-Man that's controlled by a corporation. It's, it's, it, like you said, like, I don't know where it's going anymore. While I thought characters like Morbius and Craven and the lizard, were going to build to something. They're not, they're just one off. And I don't know what Doc Ock is doing. And they're playing a lot into this, like Ben Riley stuff about his memories and they feel his place in it. And, and, um, and I also feel like we've seen him battle with this whole that he's not Peter thing before. And it's, it's, yeah, while a lot of the art's really good, um, yeah, the rotating doors are writers like issues just start and you're like, what are we doing today? Yeah, <laughs> you, you know, it's like, uh, it feels like a soap opera where like it's new every day mm-hmm. and it's just like a new story. And, um, I'm ready for Peter to, to be back and I'm actually. The pacing's weird because at the end of issue 83, which I did like 83, the one where um, he has the flashback to Uncle Ben. 82 and 83, I think, were the best of this. Yes, yes, because they focus on Peter and we see, you know, Uncle Ben holding up the Captain America figure and then he, he gives Peter the gum that Peter tried to steal. And he's like, at the end, he has this pretty cool, inspiring, like, He's, he's going to be Spider-Man again, and then we don't see it for three issues, and then we get this weird, awkward issue where, like, Cap and Black Cat are, like, training him. Yeah, like, why do they need and to... And I'm like... like I, that makes no sense to me. It's... And that's an annoying part, too, because, like, in issue 83, he, he wakes up and he's pretty much fine, and then he gets hurt again, and then he goes back into it again, and then it's like, I don't know, I feel like we're back... This feels like... Is that what happened now, in 83? I thought in 83 he was, like, high off morphine and having, like, illusions. <laughs> you know what man that's what i thought was going maybe on. it was because well yeah maybe it was maybe yeah like a little bit because he does he is in the chair talking to yeah you know dude i don't even know <laughs> i exactly, feel like the story just the, sometimes it just it, goes like, off the rails it just goes off the rails and here's my other thing too at first and i hate to like not give credit to the writers or the editors because i always do whenever i read a book or watch a movie or a show i do try to like grasp what they're going for and i try to respect that i try to respect visions here but this book does and i don't want to sound ignorant but at first I thought this was like a really thought out compelling, like it was going to be like a really well thought out story. Now this just feels like a stall while they figured out what they were going to do with amazing. Um, the one thing I did enjoy was I kind of like how Peter and Ben are having like these double dragon visions, you know, like they're both Those having are similar cool. vision. I thought that was interesting. Issue 82 was my favorite, but again, it serves like no purpose to the real story. But it's like this cool, like horror element. It, I was I was reading it like just after watching Scream, so I'm like, oh, that's like Tara in the hospital. <laughs> She's yeah, like, oh, yes, <laughs> that's the first thing that popped into my head. Um, so there's some there's some redeeming things, but I'm like, I'm so done with the Beyond Corporation. Um, I hate what Miles is wearing in his. I, do you read when my did he mind. get this horrible suit? I don't know, but it's ew. It is I gross. I like it. it. What, like why can't they give like what when did he change i don't know like just stick to what they gave him in spider-verse like uh, even in uh, spencer's run like i thought the suit was perfect like why would you when he has he, a great suit i don't know so when this homemade. happened either. it looks like a homemade suit in my opinion like like in like my my ignorance too like and not knowing that he had a new suit i i guess i've just been out of the loop but like when i picked up this issue i'm like oh like who's he who's he fighting on this i thought cover? it was kane I thought it was King. Yeah, and they tease it at the end of the last issue. I'm like, oh, what Spider-Man's that they're teasing? And then when they're like, it's Miles, I'm like, no, it's not. Yeah, it's so strange. But also Um, they drop that right away. We're going to sue Miles for being Spider-Man, and then it's in this one issue, and then we we don't see it. Never see it again. All right, you got this, Ben? I'll see you later. I thought (laughs) I missed a couple of those Bay issues. I was like, oh, I'm clearly missing. And then I went to look on fandom. And no, I didn't. Did and so I think it's just, think. it's kind of a bummer because, um, and I'm just, all I'm going to do is just laugh at everyone who was complaining about Spencer's run. Cause uh, 
look where it got us. <laughs> listen, listen, I am very critical of both slot and Spencer's run. And I was very, I did dig this initially at the beginning. Cause like I said, I thought it was going to be the shorter, more thought out thing for Ben and Peter. And now that I'm seeing it, she's dragging. Maybe I would rather go back to some of those Spencer issues. Uh, Why do you? I'm just gonna toot my own horn on that one. Right, I was uh, you. That's (laughs) a pretty good take. I saw you tweet that before I was caught up, and I'm like, Pete, why would I want to go back to Spencer? And then I'm reading this. I'm like, at least he's Spider Man, (laughs) the Spencer run, and we're not, we're not, and that story clearly was building to something, not this whole. Ran. It does. It feels like a stall. Like I hate to say that. Now it feels like they're they were stalling, and I don't know why this had to but be. This is such a long stall. That's why I don't understand. Like, this was clearly planned, right? Like you don't stall for this many issues. No, you're right. What is issue eighty eight? Does that say it's the last one or no? Uh, I believe no. It is definitely not the the story. Definitely continues beyond okay. eighty eight. Uh, because... Beyond does continue beyond eighty eight. Because when are they relaunching it with JRJ? Is that in April? Uh, I'm not sure. I forgot uh, to be okay, really because honest. we don't. Because I I need to know. Is that that's getting a number one too, right? Yeah, I need to know how much more of this we got because I I don't I don't I don't I don't know I, anymore. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's weird. Uh, like I said earlier, uh, Peter David did a great. Uh, a Ben Riley story uh, as the Scarlet Spider in Las Vegas. Yes, I thought that was yes. wonderful. Uh, JDM is doing one currently with Ben, which Ryan. I do believe I haven't read it yet. It's right in front of me, but I do believe this is a story from when he was Spider-Man, like post um, mm-hmm. clone saga. So kind of, that like feels like 90s. what they've been doing with like the symbiote spider. They're doing the, yeah, like, yes, stories. it's just like that where it's like a flashback other version. That's not necessarily tied to what's going on. And now. Then, but yeah. I, I've ran my course with this. Also, uh, what I'm actually looking forward to is Joe Kelly's sequel to uh, Nonstop Spider-Man, Savage Spider-Man. Uh, they're teasing Man Spider on the cover of the book. So that's got I my juices that. flowing. And uh, oh, I got a feeling that these are going to be uh, better than that. Um, yeah, I, but, I think so. So uh, I, I'm, I'm, my birthday present to Daddy Bats or Papa Webbs is he didn't have to be here to talk about this. <laughs> yeah, he would have probably. Yeah, I'm, I think he was very thankful. He's like, no, you guys keep doing that show. He's like, it'll be the one I can't be on. And he's like, and I'm not looking to talk about beyond either. So I said, all right, that's fair. Um, he gets his mulligan for his birthday weekend. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And well-deserved. Well-deserved. Uh, a little impromptu. This just popped in my head because we were talking about Spencer. Um, uh, let's talk about this Madam Web movie. Um, you mm-hmm. seem to be really hyped on this actress. I don't know anything about her. Um, let me Give me your thoughts. I don't even remember her name. So let me, let me enlighten you a little bit. So it's Dakota Johnson mm-hmm. who is famously known for the 50 shades of gray film. So she's the girl in them. Okay. How it's many of those were there? I think there were four. I've only seen the first one. You're no, lying. You're I, cinephile. You've seen them all. No, no, I'm not, I promise you. I haven't seen them all. <laughs> I think, I think, no, actually, I think there's only three and she, and I've only seen the first one, but she's like the main character. And then why I'm excited for this casting is she took a very, like, I feel like she's taking a very Robert Pattinson route where she was kind of known for those 50 shades of gray films and not really mm-hmm. taken seriously. And then has spent the last four years really perfecting her craft with a lot of strong performances in these indie films. Okay. Um, there were two of hers that I watched a couple weeks ago at the virtual Sundance film festival, and she was fantastic in them. So I feel like she's been, slowly improving her craft and building up this new reputation for her as an actor and to see her get cast in a big role like this is awesome. So I'm very, I'm very confident that she's going to do well with this and she is younger. I mean, she's only like 31 or 32. So maybe this is a younger Madam Web. Maybe they are going to make her look older. I'm not sure, but I really like the cat. It, it feels like an inspired casting. It doesn't feel like they just chose like an older person mm-hmm. who looks like Madam Web already, they clearly see something in her and they clearly see a vision with it. And um, with the way Sony handled No Way Home, and I did enjoy both Venom films. <laughs> so I like what they're doing with all these Spider-Man 
solo projects. And, and I just we'll think it's cool we're, we're getting a Madam Web movie. Like, did you yeah, ever yeah. think we would get a Madam Web movie? Not a solo movie. Definitely not. <laughs> somewhere down, especially now with the way the multiverse and things are shaping up. I thought she would make an appearance. I me- you remember episodes ago, I wanted Rosemary Harris to pop up at no. Oh, Home yeah. Yeah. As Madam Web. And Madam that's, Web. you know, that's my preferred version of Madam Web, the blind uh, in in the in the web ch- uh, wheelchair, whatever it is, you know, the, the, the clairvoyant fortune teller um, aspect. Um, so like when when this was announced, I was like, oh, cool, Madam Web. And I'm instantly thinking, you know, Spider-Man 210, uh, yeah. 90s Fox Spider-Man. That's what pops yeah. in my head. But then to circle, because the show goes for full circle, to circle back to Troy and Ian's tweet um, that really kind of sparked a lot of conversation between all of us. Um, you know, I actually think this is going to be Nick Spencer's Madam Web, the younger Madam Web in the trench coat. Yeah, leading, yeah. Uh, what was it what they call it? The Order of the Web. That yeah. might be something where they're pulling. Maybe, I, maybe that's where Andrew pops up. You know, maybe that's where we do, my, the, yep. the other Spider-Man. Maybe Donald Glover. Uh, maybe maybe he gets cast as Prowler and we see some more miles and stuff or what he's not he doesn't have to be cast he's already got the role but you know maybe they kind of expand upon the mythology that they've built and uh, we'll see what happens maybe that's maybe that'll be the real kind of spider verse spider verse live action film he's I'm glad you brought this up because this is where my brain went to like that Spencer portrayal I do think and with her name because she is pretty popular amongst the world I mean yes it is mainly for those 50 shades films but it, it's a it's a, I would call it a big casting I would okay and I I think it's for a pretty bigger purpose like you're saying like I wonder if her movie is the connecting piece and this is how all these Spider-Man projects are going to connect it's not going to be some Doctor Strange multiverse stuff it's going to be Madam Web bringing all these spider characters together and that to me is cool. that to me is really cool because the way you and a lot of other people feel they like Batman being on his own, which I agree with. I really like Spider-Man being on his own, <laughs> like yeah. a million percent. So the fact that all these characters, I would rather it be a spider reason, hashtag spider reason, that <laughs> they all go, get brought together, one. hashtag spider reason, that they all get you know brought together and brought back, and it's not mm-hmm. another Doctor Strange or a Wanda thing. Um and yeah, dude, just the fact that we're getting like Craven and there's a Morbius movie, but now that we're getting like a Madam Web film that might lead to, and hey, like this might lead to a lot of like, there's that still rumored Silk movie, Olivia oh, Wilde is supposed to be, right? That. You know that. Right. Which, and that's a character. Yeah. Oh yeah. Dude, She's one of my both. favorites. And that's a character I have to get into way more. She's one of these spider characters I'm not as familiar Check with. Check out her new series, man. It's I'm really digging it. It's, it's good. only a couple issues, yeah, but I'm really enjoying it. Heck yeah. And then I know people forget about this. Olivia Wilde is still supposed to direct a Spider-Woman movie as well. Which one? Sony. Which Spider-Woman? I, I think, let me look. Is it the red and yellow suit? Is the black and white suit? I can't no, remember I think, their names. I think it's, um, I think it's the red in yellow because is that okay. which one is um it's 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 it would be jessica drews i'm pretty okay. sure is the one she's okay. writing um so that's interesting to me um that we're gonna have all these spider people together like and i'm not gonna lie to you man like to think we might get a scene with madam webb and potentially tom toby and andrew it's pretty, it's pretty I, 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 as long as she's in that crazy chair <laughs> and she's got those goggles on I, by the end of the movie i don't really care right you know i i, I just I, I do want that i want that 90s <laughs> madam web look but uh, it's interesting so you don't think that uh johnson takes this role takes any just role you she's methodical she picks it she this is now oh 100 oh okay. yeah so so, so that's sometimes why i get worried with these sony solo movies i, I, I dude, did venom I'm, I'm, one Venom 2, I liked a little bit less. Um, Morbius has my interest, but like I'm still cautious. I'm one I'm 100 percent with you there. And yes, I think much like to go back to Robert Pattinson, he was so selective after the Twilight films, and he also is trying to get into that producer realm as well. Dakota Johnson, the last couple of years, she also signs on as a producer on a lot of the projects. So this must've been something that she was really interested in. I wonder if she even knows who this character was. I wonder what the, she might not. Yeah. 
Because, like, as I get why Pattinson's like Batman, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, Even yeah. Like, you, you go back to Clooney. <laughs> Clooney's like Batman and Robin jump started my career from TV to big screen. And obviously, it's a horrible movie, right? It's not a good movie. <laughs> so, like, you get why someone wants to be Batman, Spider Man, but Madam Web is an obscure very, character. Unless very you're inspired, sweaty, yeah. you, you may not even know who she is. So, that's interesting that. to me. I'd love to hear what she has to say if this movie actually gets made and she goes through the press junket and everything. And I'd love to hear what was the selling point because uh, never in my life did I think Madam Web would pop up. You know, no. like, even in No Way Home, I was I was just like, give me something. You know, I, right. I, I wouldn't mind like a post credit scene. I'll take that. Something. But the fact that she's going to get a solo movie is is very adventurous, and thank God they're not giving us that uh, Aunt May spy movie. <laughs> no, yeah, no, <laughs> that was that. rumored. That so was, that was the, a scary. The thing. only good thing North Korea has ever done <laughs> is make sure that movie is make sure happened. that didn't happen. <laughs> but it's the one was, thing uh, we can thank them for. This was a great time. This was good. <laughs> oh, so dude, you know, it's, it, it's nice when uh, uh, Papa Webbs isn't around, so we can just mess around. <laughs> yeah, he keeps us in order here. He does. Yeah, he He's the authoritative order. figure here. He keeps so, us in order. So just uh, plug away, and we'll, we'll end this bad boy. Yes, sir. You could follow me all on Twitter, Instagram, Letterbox, and TikTok at Nico Caruso. That's N I K K O C A R U S O. If you like my dad and what we have to say, you could follow our other podcasts with our good pal Zeddy. Zeddy is um at the vigilante 1939 podcast we also do a kiss podcast for the rock band kiss with a really good friend of ours drummer rob myers as well who does a who does a show called uh robin everyone loves the drake about the third and greatest robin tim drake uh come talk to me come tweet at me I, i will respond and um We'll have we'll have a good time, and I am wild, but I won't be wild. With You're you. so wild. You just said third best <laughs> Robin. Who's the first two? Well, that's according to Rob. That's what he says. Okay. No, no, no. He is the third, but and the best Robin. Oh, okay. I thought you said the yeah. third best. Third it's how he says best. it. No. Okay. No, well, okay. in my mind, Dick is the best. Oh, I'm I'm Team Grayson all the way. Yeah, and but, I would uh, probably put Tim second. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, right. Easily, easily. Hands that down. feels right. And then everyone else, you know, Jason's dead. <laughs> Jason's dead. Jason's dead. Jason's dead. Oh, oh God. Uh, you can follow me on uh, social media. That's Twitter, Instagram, and Zach Snyder's favorite platform, Vero at Pete Illustrated. You can follow podcast number one. That's a news-based podcast. Not a nude-based podcast, but a news-based podcast. Straight out of Gotham. Straight underscore O underscore G. I co-host that with Eric Holzman, the champion of Long Island. You can follow this podcast on Twitter. The podcast you're listening to right now, the Italian Spider-Man Coalition podcast at Italians for Spidey. Uh, check out at Team Yellow Oval as we're getting ready to celebrate the return of the Oval to the big screen for the first time since 1995. And it's back in print in Joshua Williamson's run. And I believe Dan Moore is bringing it back in his uh, his rendition of uh, Batman and Superman. So the Oval's back. Like We're going to party like it's 1989 and 1995, for that matter, and 1992 and 1966. So yeah. it's, good, <laughs> it's a good time to be a Batman fan. Uh, check out my reviews of Detective Comics and toy reviews on BatmanOnFilm.com and Batman on Film YouTube. Once again, thank you for listening to the Italian Spider-Man Coalition podcast. We are proud members of the Let's Go Podcast Network, Pop Culture Without the Pop, and the Batman Podcast Network, hosted by Batman on Film. And remember, with great sauce comes great macaroni. Until next time. You, you didn't say it. Yeah. There we go. There we go. That's it. <laughs>